to Potadelphia, our first all-baseball show of 2019. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two guys who, God damn it, we didn't sign Bryce Harper. <laughs> uh, this is Chuck Siders. Uh, you can find me at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. You can find me checking Twitter right now to see which video game company or non-verified Twitter feed says that we're signing Harper. And this is Gene Zilek. You can find me at Producer Gene. And it's cool because uh, I want Machado anyway. Oh, that's the, that's the hipster take. <laughs> that's like the insider, you know, I'm, I'm thinking it on a, I'm thinking on a next level kind of thing. Right, Gene? Uh, sure. Uh, let's just take that bet down <laughs> off the board, though. Like, it, once the b- bets come down, that means it's all figured out, right? You're just saying that because you've always hated Bryce Harper. Yeah, for good reason. He plays for the Nationals. And until I'm told we're otherwise... Gonna, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get into Bryce Harper talk. We're going to get into Hall of Fame talk because we haven't uh, gotten to give our take on... Roy Halladay's um, induction into the Hall of Fame. and uh, But before we get to that, we did an interview today uh, with the head coach of the Haverford College baseball team. Let's go to that. On the line with us, we have Dave Beccaria, the head coach of the Haverford College baseball team. How are you tonight, coach? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Dave. Yeah, you bet. Uh, now, you are entering your 19th season with the Fords. Is that right? That is correct. All right. And you actually have the most wins in school history as well? I believe that's correct. All right. <laughs> just, go, <laughs> just going through your resume here, just make sure you're qualified to talk about baseball with us tonight. <laughs> well, I've been, I've been around the game for a while, so hopefully that qualifies me. Yeah, you bet. You bet. Uh, so the reason I wanted to have you on the show tonight was um, you guys run a, a baseball clinic uh, for some little leaguers in the in Delaware County, is that right? That's right. Yeah, uh, this is actually the 28th year that uh, our our baseball team here at Haverford College is running this uh, series of winter clinics. Um, it's been really great in the past. It's a way for us to sort of engage the community. Uh, we feel like uh, the kids benefit a lot just from seeing the college the college players, the guys on our team, actually do the coaching and, and take care of the instruction at the clinics and. Uh, those kinds of interactions, I think, are really priceless and very formative uh, on both sides, actually. It's it's really cool to, to see some relationships built between the kids and the college players. And, uh, you know, ultimately our goal is to make sure that, you know, we're helping the kids to have fun playing baseball, number one. And number two, obviously, we want to make sure that there are a few takeaways uh, each week so that they can improve their skills and, and um, find some things that they kind of enjoy about the game. And our, our belief is that if the kids enjoy playing, they're going to keep playing. And if they keep playing, uh, they're going to keep getting better. And, um, you know, somebody had done that for us along the way, and, and we're trying to give back in, in a very similar kind of way. Now, this is a six-week program, um, and each each week is kind of, uh, you know, on its own. You can go to, go to one week, you can go to all of them, um, whatever you choose, right? That's correct. Yep. And uh, we don't turn anybody away at the door. So we realize that, uh, especially now, I actually have uh, six-year-old and eight-year-old daughters. So I understand how busy uh, weekends can be. And um, 
a lot of different activities going on. So uh, for those who can't make all six weeks, it's totally fine to just show up at the door. And uh, we cover a, a different set of skills each week. So last week, our first clinic, we, we covered some basic throwing drills and, and did a little bit on base running. Uh, this coming Sunday from 4 to 6 in Haverford College's Alumni Fieldhouse, we'll be working on pitching and catching. Um, and basically, each Sunday after that, we'll focus on uh, infield defense and then hitting and then outfield defense. And then our final clinic on Sunday, March 3rd, uh, will be a review of all the skills that we've covered up to that point. So try to hit a little bit of everything, uh, try to try to keep it varied and, and mix it up so that the kids are having a good time and learning some different things each week. And um you know, the sum total, I think, is, is pretty worthwhile, especially as Little League tryouts and uh, spring baseball season start approaching. Yeah, now my son went to uh, the first week, and it was our first time there because we're pretty pretty new to the area, and he had an absolute blast. And uh, I think you were you were telling me about one of the stations, the, the dive and catch station. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's part of our outfield uh, clinic, which will be on February 24th. Um, and it's probably the least valuable station that we have at any of our clinics. And yet it's the only clinic, the kids, it's the only station the kids want to talk about uh, after <laughs> all that and done because uh, they get to just make some diving catches on some of the, the safety uh, pads and mats that we have. And uh, tends to be a lot of fun. Everybody gets into it and uh, it's a really good time. Yeah. Now you mentioned you have uh, two daughters and uh, there were plenty of girls at the clinic uh, when I was there, but it's definitely not a softball clinic, right? not a softball clinic, but I mean, there are a lot of skills uh, in baseball that carry over to the softball field as well. And so, um, you know, I love it when we have girls at the clinic as well. They tend to be like really motivated to be there and um, they tend to have a great time. So uh, the clinics are for, for boys or girls. Yeah. And the, uh, the clinic is run by your actual players, right? That's right. So, um, I mean, our whole team has, has some sort of role. Um, I, I basically take care of a lot of the publicity and help with the registration and then uh, make sure that we're organizing things each week. And then uh, our captains tend to kind of do some of the finer points, organizing some of the stations and the content for each week. And then uh, all of our players are actually involved in either teaching at, at the different stations or leading certain groups, helping them to rotate around through the different stations. Uh, they get to really know the kids that way. And I think it's uh, helps make it a lot of fun. Yeah. My son was in absolute awe. It was, you would have thought he was, you know, around MLB uh, players. He thought he was like a big deal getting instruction from, you know, the college players in their uniforms and everything. And they were really great with the kids. They were doing uh, like Fortnite dances with the kids and everything, and and they all looked like they were having like a great time. You know what? That's that's the way it should be, and and hopefully they're energized and they want to keep playing baseball. So that's great. Yep, and um, the proceeds go towards like the team, right? Yeah, uh, basically, you know, we do a couple different fundraisers throughout the year. We actually have a golf outing. Um, we do these series of clinics, and um, you know, we're basically trying to raise money for our spring break trip that we take every year. Um, you know, especially on a day like today when it's 12 degrees outside, I believe it was when I came into the building. Um, you know, we need to go someplace warm during our spring break to be able to play a bunch of games. So uh, we, we typically play nine games during our spring break week. Uh, we've gone to Fort Myers, Florida more often than not. Um, and it's been a great trip for us in a lot of ways in terms of getting quality competition, being able to play a lot of baseball, being able to learn a little bit about ourselves uh, as a team. But um you know, these trips cost money and we actually have to, to, to raise the funds for this kind of trip. So these clinics uh, definitely help to defray the cost of that trip. 
Um, and if, uh, you know, we can't make it out there in February or, or early March, you do offer um, a summer camp. We do. Yeah. The summer camp's a little different. It's actually great. Um, we, we tend to max out about 60 kids each week. Uh, this year, um, this year it'll be, uh, I believe, July 8th to the 12th will be session one, and July 15th to the 19th will be session two. Um, we tend to keep each week small, so we max out about 60 kids so that we can uh, really, I think, be even more teaching intensive. Um, and want to make sure that we're giving a lot of personal attention. We typically have, you know, seven or eight coaches for a group of 60 kids. It works out really well. It's for children ages 7 to 12. Um, for anyone who's interested in any information about our clinics or our summer baseball camp, they can go to HaverfordAthletics.com uh, and click on Camps and Clinics, and there should be some information there that they can either see or, or click on to download a registration form and uh, a brochure for either of these. Great. Well, I mean, my son was having so much fun at this clinic and he was I could see he was learning a lot that I really wanted to have you on to talk about this event because I think it's really valuable. Um, and, you know, for someone like me who was looking to get his son some instruction in winter time to get ready, we were calling it uh, pitchers and catchers report for Little League uh, right. on the on the bleachers over there. Uh, I thought it was immensely valuable and, um, uh, you know, well, well worth checking out if you if you have a son or daughter going into Little League. But I do have I do have some like MLB related questions. If you have just a couple more minutes for us, sure. Um, you're a Phillies fan, right? You grew up in the Delaware Valley. I did. I grew up in Wilmington, Delaware. Been a Philadelphia fan my entire life. So we're kind of under this Matt Klentak, Gabe Kapler uh, regime right now. That's heavily focused mm -hmm. on analytics and um, you know statistics. Um, how how pervasive is that getting into the college game? It's it's definitely becoming very pervasive in the college game, um, so much so that a lot of major league organizations are now hiring college coaches to help kind of facilitate the implementation of a lot of the a lot of the new work from a player development perspective that's happening in these in these organizations. So. Um, you know, it's something we pay attention to. We don't necessarily have all the resources that the Phillies have, but um, it's a pretty exciting time in Major League Baseball right now, you know, with uh, all the new data that's out there and just a myriad of different ways to go about uh, developing players in each system. Um, it's a pretty fun time. That's interesting. Um, so how often do you deploy the shift? <laughs> so <laughs> we don't deploy it as often as I would like to at very every once in a great, great while. Um, we just don't have enough data points to really, I think, have enough faith that uh, the shift is worthwhile from our perspective, but I mean, they have, they have so many more data points than we do. We do it very seldom. Um, I would like to do it more. Um, but you know, at our level, there are a number of different factors that probably make it less realistic to do on a, on a widespread basis. We were kind of talking on the show, um, you know, earlier this year about how it's going to take a generation of kids to come up through little league and high school and college getting used to that style of baseball. Um, so I guess that's what we're seeing. Yeah. But you know what, like the, the really cool thing about major league baseball right now. And I think it's, 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 I feel like it's starting to enter another golden age because I mean, you've got guys routinely throwing a hundred miles an hour, got guys throwing 105 at times now. Um, the talent level in major league baseball is, you know, out of this world right now. And a lot of it has to do with, 
you know, people understanding how to how to develop players to to the fullest of their ability. So it's 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 pretty exciting, I think. And um, you know, I know that people get kind of bummed out about the shift and the length of games and things like that. I think all of that stuff will even out over time. But uh, you know, and I'm excited about the direction the Phillies are going too. I think they've they've taken some really good steps forward. Um, sort of rededicated themselves to doing some really cool things from a player development perspective. So I think those things will hopefully pay off in the not too distant future. Well, we're excited about it too. Uh, real quick, Harper or Machado, what would be your preference? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, I mean, hopefully they can get both or continue to do as much as, as, uh, as they can. But if it had to be just one for me, I'd probably try to take Machado. I just think that, you know, the quality of infield defense combined with what he's able to do at the plate, um, you know, would probably just make him overall a little bit more valuable. I think he's probably more prone to be a little bit more consistent over the next five years as well compared to Harper. But I mean, God, Bryce Harper's so good. <laughs> I mean, you can't, can't turn down either one and it's, it's really splitting hairs. And I mean, I understand sort of the, the, the feeling in the city about who, who, which one would be the better fit. I mean, I get all that stuff, but uh, if you're talking about oh. just from a who, who's more of a Philly guy. Yeah, I think I think we all know the answer to that one, <laughs> on the surface at least. Sure, sure. And just to close out, can you give us you know, maybe one or two players on the Fords this year to to keep an eye on if we if we decide to come out to a game or two? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, we have a our, our senior center fielder, one of our captains, Ethan Lee Tyson. Um, it's been a multiple year kind of all region player for us. Uh, he's been he was the MVP of our conference tournament his freshman year. Um, kind of in the top 10 of most offensive categories uh, career-wise up to now. Um, so he's, he's an exciting player. He's been a great kid, a great leader for us, um, and definitely encourage people to watch him play. And then uh, our junior shortstop, Will Carp, uh, just plays the game so hard and has a cannon of an arm, and um, it's a lot of fun to watch play because he steals a ton of bases, just kind of flying around the field making plays offensively and defensively. So you know, from a position player perspective, I would definitely say those guys are two guys to watch. And uh, the price is right. I mean, our games are free if anybody <laughs> wants to come watch them. So, um, and if anybody wants to check out our schedule, again, they can go to HaverfordAthletics.com and uh, click on baseball and our schedule and all the information is right there. All right. Well, Coach, again, thank you so much for uh, for giving us some uh, some of your time tonight. Uh, we really encourage everyone to go out and check out this clinic if you have a, a son or daughter going in the Little League. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Appreciate the opportunity. All right, we're back. And it's time to talk about the day. I don't even know what to call this day. The day the day of the Bryce Harper anticipation. The day of the Twitter insanity regarding Bryce Harper. Are we talking the about yesterday? The day we were all lied to in like 30 different ways. Where do we even begin with this? The show? You want to talk about the show? Yeah, let's talk about the show. You're mad about this, Chuck. I'm I'm mad about the whole situation. I am fed up with it. I I pretend like I don't care anymore. I pretend like I'm not going to like take any little bit of information and freak out over it. But the show's like, you want to watch the space tomorrow, and you know they're they're promoting. The, they're promoting this hysteria and there's going to be a backlash. 
who's going to buy the video game? It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. They fucked around with us for three months. All right. So for those of you that are like living under a rock, the show said you better watch this Twitter account tomorrow. Everyone thought they were going to announce where Bryce Harper was signing because he's the cover boy of the, the video game. And instead, they dropped this ridiculous video about Bartolo Colon Colon. Is that basically the gist of it? That's the gist of it. That's I, even, unless something came later in the day, but that's all I saw. That's a even more ridiculous than I expected. A obese pitcher whose last name just happens to be Cologne. Uh, I don't know. Gene. That's even more ridiculous than I expected. What I was expecting was, like, in-game footage or something, like, because I haven't seen any of that yet. So I thought, well, what they'll do is they'll they'll put out a trailer or whatever with some in-game footage uh, with players that are already on teams that, you know. So that's what I was expecting, and, and that never came. So You weren't fooled. Well, no, because not so much i was fooled by a lot of the other things and it was one of those situations where i felt like it was part of the whole package of all of the things that were messing with our heads i'll tell you the thing that fooled me was i went like hook line and sinker into the whole well they've they've taken the prop bets off the board in vegas and nobody vegas would never if they took the prop bets down they they must you know it must not be something you can bet on which means he must have signed and the only thing that makes sense i mean there's a tweet that the guy says that it's pending medicals pending medicals is always the thing you hear right before somebody signs it just the only thing that was making me scratch my head is like why would he sign like just randomly like on a wednesday and that came out like at midnight on Monday, I think it was like midnight Monday into Tuesday that this all came out. Um, so when I woke up, I woke up to it Tuesday morning, and it, it, it like I, I was so excited. I'd take my wife to the airport. I was so excited. I literally screamed and uh, at like four thirty in the morning, and was talking at a pace so so quick. She walked in the room and she said, "Are you having a stroke? What is wrong with you? Why are you so loud? It's very early, and what are you talking about?" So then, instead of like repeating it like in a more calm fashion, I just said it louder and faster, as if that would make her understand it. Um, and she's like, no, I didn't say say it louder and faster. What are you talking about? <laughs> so then I calmly explained that Bryce Harper had signed and was a Philly. And then, like, immediately, like, went to the car and was sitting. And then there was nothing on sports radio yet. And I was like, what? what is going on? This happened at midnight. This should have been the thing they were talking about all night long. And then that's when I kind of the realization <laughs> set in that maybe it was bogus. So what you're referring to is a Twitter account called Vegas Gambling Steam. Um, tweeted, confirmed report, Bryce Harper has agreed to multi-year mega contract with the Philadelphia Phillies. Source says deal was wrapped up pending medicals. Vegas has taken all Bryce Harper prop bets off the board. And that was retweeted by Angelo Cataldi, and that's how I saw it, and I fell for it, and then I showed you guys all that. And they said that someone in the comments there said that this account like accurately predicted LeBron leaving Miami, Durant going to the Warriors, um, amongst like some some other things. So I'm like, yeah, I'm all in on this. I pushed all my chips into the middle with this tweet. <laughs> well, I, and I, what I actually heard is that this guy makes like ten thousand predictions a day about all sorts of things, and then deletes all the ones that aren't true. So he probably well, that, sent out like fifteen different things and just deleted them. Well, that makes sense. But there there were retweets of all the things he got right in the past, and the this person had. 
had retweeted them like into their own feed. And that's when I was like, well, that sounds kind of like bullshit. Like, <laughs> yeah, but you're missing the point. It's Angelo Cataldi's fault. I got so excited. <laughs> this, man, this is a professional He's He needs to be responsible Well remember this is the same guy that wanted Ricky Williams Instead of Donovan <laughs> McNabb <laughs> We have to question his judgment So then we start seeing reports About this mysterious one o'clock Press conference At Citizens Bank Park Now I don't know where that started I, I, I saw I guess we, we started talking about it But I never saw Anything that led to them talking about a, a press conference. Well, the the only thing I saw about that in writing was some random, like Twitter person, and it wasn't even like was it a Jeff verified Evans? account? It wasn't Jeff Evans, no. the fake MLB reporter, no. um, <laughs> who got shut down. Opened up a new one. It's like they tried to silence me. I'm like. Like, nobody's following for it anymore. It was just some random person saying, I'm hearing from so-and-so news conference at one. And then it's like uh, Jim Salisbury said, there is no news conference. You know, the good fight said, there is absolutely no smoke for what would be a huge raging fire. <laughs> like, um, so when did the baseball bats come up? I think that was the same day, right? The No, I think that was actually the day before. Bats. I think that was yeah. the, that was actually Sunday into Monday. Oh, okay. Well, and I guess that was something to uh, so this is Victus, which is Bryce Harper's favorite bat company that's in King of Prussia made these uh, specialty bats to try to lure Bryce Harper here. It wasn't like custom made for him. Like he didn't like put a special order in. There's some uh, badass looking bats though. They are cool. They are cool. And real quick, I want to throw this out there to people who are trying to debunk things on Twitter. And you're doing God's work if you're trying to, to cut down on bullshit. But do a little research yourself. Because somebody said, yeah, these were claimed to be spotted in Pennsylvania, but this group is based out of somewhere in New Jersey. And then if you they linked to the what, Invictus account. And on it, it said, King, like, location, King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. <laughs> like, and the person who said, no, 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 they're saying these are in Pennsylvania. The company's in New Jersey. That guy, like, retweeted, like, 65 <laughs> times. Like, <it's, laughs> like, do a modicum of research. You can't stop it. But I would like to say, all these tweets, all this speculation, is it any better or any worse than the stuff that Bob Nightingale or Buster Olney have been putting out all winter? I, I think it's no better than well. Hypothetically, theirs are based on some sort of facts, but it's just they're trying to make a story out of nothing. And those, it's worse because those are reliable journalists. And you go, all right, well, there must be something here, but it's just reading the tea leaves. the The internet rumors, you know, they're like trying to play you a prank on you. They're trying to fool you. So. If they do, it's like, all right, you got me. You know, Buster only fools you. Well, that's not his job. He's not supposed to be fooling me. He's supposed to be giving me information. My my take on that whole thing is, much like Chuck says, these guys, you know, they wake up every day. They, just like us, have to deal with the fact that nothing happened. But 
unlike us, we can just kind of go on to something else. They have to come up with something to try to sell newspapers or uh, generate web hits or uh, get Twitter followers. So they have to kind of try to shuffle things around to make it look like there's some sort of story so that people like me click on it. Uh, so uh, to a certain degree, like I get I get the game. I think our biggest frustration right now is that none of us, if we were ever presented with some of these opportunities that Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, that they're being presented with, none of us are going to sit around for six weeks being like, well, maybe something better will come along like that. That's not in our <laughs> DNA. Like we we would we would be salivating. We wouldn't be able to sit around and just kick tires or or, or play hardball with, with, you know, quite literally with with all of this nonsense. But See, the difference is is they've been preparing for this for years. This this whole situation, the Phillies have been preparing for this for years. Probably these other teams that are involved, whether it be the White Sox or the Dodgers or the Yankees, uh, they've or been preparing this. Team. Or, mystery, or the Padres, which I think that's total horse hockey. Um, all of the, the – and then the players have been preparing for this for years, and Scott Boris has been preparing for this for years. So, so in the small window of time that all of us have been kind of salivating for this, this whole stage has been set for this kind of drama to play out over all of this time for for years. So to, to them, there's no rush. They, they want to make sure that they – all of these people think that they're the, the the thing that's in control. You know, the Phillies think that they have the biggest pocketbook, so they're in control. The Scott Boris thinks he's in control because if he can just make them wait out long enough, that that um, that he'll he'll win. Machado and Harper think that they're in control because they're the thing that people want. Uh, so all of these people, it's just it's such a, an ego stroke for all of these these people and we're all forced to watch all of this play out and and we keep having all of these little cliffhangers just like you're watching like a daytime soap you know nothing ever really happens for years you know for uh, on those those kinds of shows uh but you know eventually we do know at some point both of these players are going to going to play baseball for somebody uh next season and hopefully it's going to happen sometime in the next couple weeks that they decide who they're going to play baseball for well new reports say we're not going to find out until March. And do we have any more a reason to believe that? No. Yeah. The the only thing I think because that's when what Arietta signed. He signed, you know, but really I, late February, early March. I mean, I you know, but Cliff Lee signed in like, December, so it can happen yeah, anytime. It, it's hard for me to say. You know, if I were Bryce Harper, I would want to know what team I was playing for sooner than later or i would want to be in you know i'm going to be a new guy at a new team i want to be in camp you know that's me do you think that but if i also if i were bryce harper i'd be a washington national and that would have been decided in november here's my other question is do you think it's unique with these two particular players that both of these guys feel like i i can handle being ready you know what i mean i've got my own team of trainers or coaches or whatever i'll be ready if i don't walk in until you know, game one in April, you know, I, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll step into the box and hit the home run I need to hit. I'll, I'll get out to my position and feel it the way I need to field it. I don't need to talk to these guys in the lineup. I don't need to hear what Gabe has to say. I know my job. You're going to pay me an awful lot of money to do my job, so I don't I don't need to worry about bonding with you knuckleheads anyway. I mean, whatever contract they're going to sign is going to be for a long amount of time, so I don't think they particularly care if they're ready. I think... I think they go, all right, well, if 2019's a wash because I, you know, never got in the groove, well, 
you, you got seven more years and you know, I'm going to be set for, you know, three lifetimes. And I'm, so. and I'm 26, so it doesn't matter because I still got, you know, six really good years left. Yeah, exactly. Also, game one is in March this year. Oh. For everybody? March. I don't know. The Phillies play the Braves first game, March 28th. Yeah, I doubt that we're the first <laughs> game of the season. Yeah. yeah. I don't think, I don't think uh, ESPN opens the season with, they failed to make the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all liked them for a little bit. The Philadelphia <laughs> Phillies. Uh, all right, let's move off of this. Let's talk about the Hall of Fame. We got our Hall of Fame inductees, and uh, I want to talk about Roy Halladay. Roy Halladay, Philly great. All time, all time, Philly great. You on board with that? It's going to depend on where you put the punctuation. Yeah. Roy okay. Halladay, all-time, all-time, period. I agree with that. He is an all-time, all-time great. He was a Philly. He was a great. Um, he was <laughs> great while he was here. Um, but history is not going to view him as a Philadelphia Philly. You know, we, we can have as much affection for him as we like. He wasn't here terribly long. He had, what, really two phenomenal years here? And that's, that's it, you know? And as, as fun as 2011 was, uh, as fun as 2010 was, it, in the grand scheme of things, he's going to be a footnote to Philly's history. Wow, a footnote. Oh, man, I thought I was going to have the hot takes tonight. <laughs> Crap, I should take that back. I should take that back. <laughs> no, I mean, I feel like I have the unpopular opinion that I don't I don't fully embrace Roy Halladay as a full-fledged Philly. Like he's not on par for me like Lefty is or even Cole Hamels is or you know, um or Aaron Nola will be. And I feel like I'm on the outside with that opinion. Like, that's not shared by a lot of people. Yeah, it's not shared by me, for example. All right, well. So, here's my take. This is partly, you have to take Roy Halladay's particular situation into consideration. He played not for the Yankees. He played not for the Dodgers. He played not for even the Texas Rangers. He, he played for the Toronto Blue Jays. Off the top of your head, Chuck, named three great Toronto Blue Jays who are not named Joe Carter. Well, you took my first one. Roger Clemens. Uh, Jose Batista. Uh, An Alomar. An Alomar. <laughs> John Olden. Um, Paul Molitor. Paul Molitor is really maybe the only guy that I could say, like, I think of him as a Toronto Blue Jay. The thing that most of those things have in common, they played on the 1992 and 1993 championship teams. Roy Halladay never played in a playoff game for the Toronto Blue Jays. So, whereas he may be associated in Toronto as a... And I, you can't d disassociate his career in Toronto, but by the same note, you can't disassociate his career in Philadelphia. Yes, it was short, but he threw some of the best games... 
that the Phillies have ever seen. He he threw that no hitter uh, in the in the playoffs and a perfect game, which are rare. Um, when he was dominant here, he was the best pitcher in baseball for the Phillies when he won his Cy Young here. So it, although it was small, he did. It, we did see him great, and he was very productive. What is awful about this situation is I think the best team, at least if you, you put it, you know, I would put it that the, this team, the team that lost to St. Louis on that god awful uh, huh. game, yeah. what was it, game five? <laughs> yeah, it was game where, five. I just where, love where, the collective sigh yeah. I mean, of the team miserable. that lost St. Louis. Where, the poor guy gives up a leadoff double and the, the run scores. And because then he, he was a shutout after literally that. he he that he, they got one run in the first inning and then he pitched as a gem the rest of the way and we could not get two stupid runs for the guy you know because if they go on they win that world championship I really think we're having a very very different conversation the the no. problem with the problem with Roy Halladay is he never he never got a ring he never got a ring and and the team that he would have that ring for I feel like would have a real strong case for who who he goes in the hall as and. The only thing we can go back to, and this has been over thinking about this all week. The only thing we can go back to is what did Roy say on the issue in terms of the Hall of Fame? Now, his wife, who has been embraced by Philadelphia, by the by the ownership, by the by the team, they have been really, really great to the holidays. And so is Toronto. I'm not saying that Toronto hasn't been, but Philadelphia also has been. But the only thing Roy ever said about the issue that I can ever that I can find is that Roy himself said, I'm going in as a blue jay. That's what Halliday said. So I'm fine with that because I know that that's what he said. And I was never I never thought of him going in as a as a with a Phillies cap on. But it is important to me that that line on the plaque that those years that he played for Philadelphia, that, they, that those are there, too. You know, there's, I, I, you know, when I've gone through the Hall of, Hall of Fame, I've, I've gone through and I, you know, I take time and look where were these careers that people you know, played in. You know, going back, there's there's people moved around even in the 50s and 60s, not as much as they do now. But how they only played for two teams? It's not like this guy was a mercenary. It's not like Clemens that played for I think four. Uh, and Clemens I, is I, never getting in. I think we're moving to a different conversation of like what you know who should what, what cap should Roy wear in the Hall of Fame and ultimately went with a blank cap. And like you said, he he said that he wanted to go in as a Blue Jay and. You know, he did sign a one day contract to retire as a Blue Jay. So we have the words and we have the actions. The only thing that's, I don't know, driving this Philadelphia sentiment is kind of like our our area wants to, like, plant a flag in Roy. I think stick it right in him. I think that that we we embraced him as if he he was one of us, and we really believed that he was going to put us over the top. And 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 we we don't fault him for the like for not getting getting us to the promised land. We nobody holds an ill. Was the to me he was a hired gun. It was you know Ruben Amaro's white whale. I wanted to get the best pitcher in baseball and bring him in here, and he did it. And he delivered on everything that we thought he was going to be. He absolutely delivered on. And I'll I'll say, and you take this as a hot take if you want. I think Cliff Lee is more Philly than Roy Halladay is because Cliff, I think, was part of, even though it was after the World Series win, it was part of a climb. And I think we were already at the top of that hill when we got Roy, and it was just supposed to, like, 
solidify our position even more. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Well, so, the real problem is, and this is the thing that has always made me angry since it, since it happened, is we lost out on, what, a year or two years where they weren't playing together because we felt we had to make that trade with Seattle to rebuild the farm system, which was ridiculous. There was no reason that we needed to trade Cliff Lee. There was no reason for that. Why did we do it? Because we just turned around and got him right back after we lost two years of the guy's prime. Cliff Lee was in his prime when we traded him. It was so stupid. None of those guys that we got back in that deal were any good. They were all garbage. It did not rebuild the franchise. They did not become the rock that we are now building this franchise on. That's what Ruben Amaro thought, is that right now we'd all be riding the careers on those three goofballs. We're not. We got nothing out of that deal. We lost two <laughs> years of, Roy, of, of Cliff Lee's prime that, they weren't play, that, that, that Roy Halladay and Cliff Lee weren't playing together. It was ridiculous, and it still makes me mad. We got to Chuck, keep Don Brown, though. <laughs> yeah, the, he, untradeable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Chuck, is Roy Halladay on the Phillies Mount Rushmore of pitchers modern era? Were we calling modern era in 1980 on, well, late 70s on? Sure, we'll just say what we've been alive to see. Okay. And we're late 30s, we'll call it. (laughs) For now. (laughs) Um, That's a really good question. Because I think. So one of those spots is lefty, right? Yeah, then, then Cole. Yeah, World Series MVP. Cole's got to be there. Uh, I mean, I, I know I'm going to be, like, missing people, and people are going to be, like, rallying me on Twitter or whatever, but, like, w- I mean, would you put Schilling up there? I was just thinking Schilling, just because he was such the backbone of that, that 93 run. Hey, Kevin Millwood, and you're done. <laughs> <laughs> you pitch I, a no-hitter, right? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, well, Danny Jackson... Dan Jackson's got to be there. Um, no, I'll tell uh, you who the fourth guy is. Very seriously, the fourth guy, yeah. and this is a hot take. The fourth guy's Brad Lidge. I was thinking about that. I was thinking okay. about that. The just... fourth guy's Brad Lidge. Because I, yes. for one season, it was Brad Lidge. But it was, well, I mean, but it was perfect. We, we mentioned Roy's resume. You know, it, it lights out Lidge. No, I, I'm, I'm totally agreeing with Gene there. Definitely Lidge. Interesting. Well, I, and I want to backtrack a moment here about my hot take to start on Halliday. It doesn't I'm mean sorry, that I, I don't. To, you mean read the footnotes? Yeah. Well, no. It doesn't mean that I don't love him. It doesn't mean that the people who were here to watch those seasons won't remember him always. But it's going to get lost. It's going to get lost to the next generation. It's going to get lost ten years down the line. And the example I used earlier in this. This week was Pete Rose. I love Pete Rose as a Philly. I had a baseball card collection dedicated to Pete Rose. I don't know where that is, and that pisses me off to this day, but I have had a baseball collection dedicated to Pete Rose and focusing on his time as a Philly. If you ask, you know, a random uh, Cincinnati fan or uh, a Phillies fan, under 30 about Pete Rose, nobody's going to say Philadelphia. They're going to go, oh, that's right. He was on that Phillies team, right? Like, it might as well be about his time with the Expos, you know? So that doesn't invalidate Pete Rose's time with the Phillies. His gambling with the baseball does. But no, um, 
it doesn't yeah. invalidate but, his time here, but it's it's it, it's not significant in the grand Pete scheme Rose of things. The same. It's the same. He's a red. Pete Rose is a red, and Pete Rose will unequivocally tell you that he's a red. His time here, he was a hired gun. The exact same situation. See, Roy Oswalt to me was the hired gun. Roy Oswalt absolutely was a hired gun. They were all hired guns because they weren't part of the climb. Like, I feel like you need to be part of the climb. So is Bobby Abreu a Philly then? Yeah, but so if Bobby Abreu was going into the Hall of Fame today, he would be a Philly, not a Yankee. So you yeah. want to play that? You want to play that game? Who... <laughs> Bradley does Bradledge go in as a as a, as a as a Philly, or does he go in as a as a what was he the okay, an Astro? An Astro? So all right, that's an interesting one. I I don't. That's an interesting one. Because I feel like I, Brad Lidge is going to say Philly. I feel like that's what Brad Lidge is going to say. But Brad Lidge was part of the climb. He was part of the climb for Houston, too. He gave up a, that home run in Houston. He was also part of the decline in Houston. <laughs> it was a rapid yeah, decline. We were the resurrection. Yeah, we were his resurrection project. But I, sw- I think if you had turned to Brad Lidge and said, what what cap are you going in to, to Cooperstown, 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 Cooperstown with? He is going in as a Philly. And he's going to be in that kneeling position. That's how he's going to go in. I mean, that blew his freaking knee. and You know, he's going to go in that way. Shout out to all our peeps at Coopersburg. <laughs> when I go into Coopersburg, I'm often wearing a Philly's hat. All right. So, <laughs> all right. Uh yeah, all right, let's do that. Let's, so we are trying to steal Roy Halladay from Toronto, and we got halfway there. We got the hat to be blank. Let's talk about players that are Philly that other teams, if, if they were going into the Hall of Fame, would try to steal. All right, I got we had one. a pretty good list in our little uh, our, our little text message uh, conversation. I have a good one to start with. I have a good one to start with because I think that this person might have a legitimate case maybe to go into to the Hall of Fame. Uh, Scott Rowland. Well, we don't want him. That's the, that's the <laughs> difference. He could be a Cardinal. Rookie of the year. He was rookie but of the year. I, he was rookie. Of the, but, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, he spent more years in St. Louis than Philly, right? Darren Dalton. So you'd say the Marlins would try to steal Darren Dalton? That's where he won his championship. From us? I, yeah, I don't think they would be able to pull that one off. I think Dutch was a, a Philly all the way, don't you think? I yeah. mean, I think that 93 team was so, you know, um, cohesive as a unit. Band yeah. of brothers. What was that, Dave? Like Like a band of brothers there, oh, yeah. like Phillies for life kind of thing. Yeah, and and Dutch came back. He was around the team. You know, I I don't think they were doing many Marlin celebrations. You know, with him and Inky and you know, whomever. Sorry, I said Inky when I meant Eisenreich. <laughs> I feel like Inky Villa might have been on that team too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. They had half the '93 fills. How about uh, Kurt Schilling? Red Sox. He's going to go in as a Red Sox, but I think it's because uh, there's actually the three teams that could make claims there. All right, the the claim order on Schilling: <laughs> Red Sox, Phillies, Arizona. 
And I don't know why. If it, like somebody could listen to this and point out that all the hypocrisy that I'm spouting today, and they're probably right. The interesting but... thing is he won zero championships with the Phillies, and you feel like they have a better case than at Arizona. I, I mean, I can't think of any other. Like, I, I guess Randy Johnson would be. Who's Randy Johnson going in as a Mariner, or does he go in as a Diamondback, or does he go in as a Yankee? He doesn't go in as a Yankee. He's probably a Diamondback. I don't know. He had great years with the Mariners. Maybe a Mariner. I and think what, of Mariners too. And Wade Boggs in is the in What's the Hall. He of... eligible. He's got to be getting eligible soon. Wade Boggs is not in the Hall of Fame as a Red Sox. Do you guys know who Wade Boggs is in as? Not a Yankee. Tampa Bay Devil Ray. Oh, he's I think a, I did know that. He's got a D Rays hat on. He's got a specific specifically. He has a Tampa Bay Devil Rays hat. Yeah, that's what, like because a he was on because he was on the first team, but like he has like the the actual red. Like now they're the Tampa Bay Rays, but he has like Wait, the this, actual Devil Rays. Was this right after like Steve Irwin died, and it was like some tribute to him? <laughs> no, I, like... think, <laughs> I think it's because Boggs went like was on the the inaugural Tampa Bay team, and like I think broke one of his records in Tampa Bay. Um, Gene, I'm looking at his Hall of Fame plaque, and it's got a. A Red Sox hat on, but maybe oh. I'm looking at the wrong thing oh. here. I thought for sh- maybe what I'm thinking of is that his number is not retired in Boston, but is in Tampa Bay. That could be it. Oh, that might be it. Yeah, he's got a Boston Red Sox hat on. Okay. Whew, right, man, well, you have me nervous. That's got to be pretty humiliating having a D Rays hat on. Fake news. <laughs> um, we brought up some other guys like Reggie White was a great one. Yeah, that that one was a pretty heated conversation as who lays claim to Reggie. As much as I'd love to say the Eagles get him, I think he spent what only two fewer years in Green Bay and won the Super Bowl and went right back to it there, and really was like the piece that put him over the top. You know, you know, most relevant they've been since the '60s. So. I know, but I feel like that, and the, again, this is probably just our Philly bias, but I feel like that was a Brett Favre team. But when you talk about those years that Reggie was in Philly, it was Buddy Ryan, defense, the 4-3, Reggie, Clyde, like those guys were the soul of the team. I feel like this is one of those cases where it's almost like a 50-50 split because when you ever see – any highlight packages of, of Reggie White, it is like 90 10 Eagles, yeah, Eagles highlights yeah. to Green Bay highlights. And I know that he still had really good years in Green Bay and was really productive, but if you look at highlight packages from NFL films, it is all Reggie and Green. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's, just, it's just so weighted. Well, I mean, both teams wore green, but I know your point, Gene. <laughs> Not with those goofy yellow helmets. Uh, what about Randall? Randall's a good one. I'd say Randall was an eagle um, just due to here's where he he became famous and spent the most time. But it's a compelling case with the amount of success he had in Minnesota. But that just felt like a, a curtain call. It felt like Randall was done when he left Philly. And then all of a sudden, hey, he, he stole his legs, you know, literally and figuratively. I feel like he literally had his best year in that 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 season with Minnesota, 
uh, and certainly went the furthest he ever went uh, in the playoffs with Minnesota. He's one of the few players that that was one of the rare times in with an NFL team that I I rooted really hard for that Minnesota yeah. team to win the whole thing. Yeah. I I wanted Randall to get a ring so bad. Who did they lose to? Was that the Falcons here? They lost to that Atlanta. Was the Falcons. Yeah, they lost to Atlanta. The dirty- the, the dirty, dirty birds. birds, yeah, it was it was gut wrenching. Um, so, uh, you know, the Eagles were pretty bad at that point, so there was not really anything else, any reason not to root for them, like and be all in with the, with the Vikings. So, but Randall will always will be an Eagle, and much to Chuck's point, like he literally was the ultimate weapon here. It, it went right on the on the cover of Sports Illustrated. So, I think that there's fans in Minnesota that probably would try to claim him, but they wouldn't get him. I, I know, Dave, in the same chat where we were having this conversation, you brought up a great one for the Flyers of Rod Brindamore. Yeah. I and mean, that, there's still people walking around with Brindamore jerseys when you go to a Flyers game, even to this day. One of my favorite calls that they used to do in the 90s was Brindamore Waits. Brindamore Waits. <laughs> Brindamore Waits. Yeah. Brindamore was Hold- it, wasn't Hold- that the joke? We thought it was his last name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think if we can only pick one, it's got to be Carolina. He was the captain there. His number is retired there. It's, you know, Wayne Simmons is wearing Brandy's number right now. But where was his nose broken the most? Flyers <laughs> <laughs> <The> uniform. <laughs> Probably, but that that's going to require you know, some forensic evidence. I mean, that thing has incredible turns to it. <laughs> uh, and we might as well just hit all the, uh, the Philly teams, uh, Charles Barkley. I feel like Barkley should be a son, but I feel like if, if you ask Barkley, he's a sixer. Yeah. I think he's got some, I mean, he's got much more affinity towards the, the sixers, right? I mean, he's always, um, you know, commenting on the Sixers particularly. Well, I think the Suns and the Rockets split the vote. Because, you know, I think in our conversation, we said, ah, Sixers are Suns. And then thinking about it, it was like, well, he had, you know, the last act of his career really with the Rockets as well. And that wasn't an insignificant amount of time. So if it was just Sixers and Suns, um, you know, maybe an argument could be made. But I think his best years were in Philly he made his fame in Philly and then it's not like he won anything with the the Rockets or Suns. He made he went to, to the, he the went to the finals, finals with one, the right? He went to the finals and lost to that Jordan one of the Jordan teams in 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 uh in Phoenix. That was a Rockets team, right? No, I thought he lost to the Jordan a, a, a Jordan team with with the Suns team. Or maybe he lost I know that there was a lot of uh, those those playoff matchups against David Robinson's Spurs when he was in Phoenix. <laughs> Yeah, a lot right, of people well, lost to Jordan. I'm pretty sure I've lost a game to Jordan. <laughs> you know what? Drop us a line. Let us know what players we uh, we may have missed uh, as far as the uh, the split vote. Chase Utley's a Dodger, right? Chase Utley, Dodger. Shut up, dude. Don't even <laughs> – you just, like, invalidated the entire conversation we just had with that nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the exact same <laughs> – thing that happened in the chat that was like i don't know it'd be like chase utley going to the dodgers and throwing it out there not making a big fight for it and it was like chuck this is all the reasons you're wrong i'm like i wasn't even arguing for it i was just giving another example 
<laughs> there is some vitriol when you there's like any thought that Chase is anything but a flyer, a flyer, Jesus, a Philly. And and, and Pat Burrell is also also a Philly. He he <laughs> betted more women here than any place else. What what else would he be? Where well, did he, he go? He moved on to uh, didn't he go back to Giants? the to the World Series with um, with San Francisco Tam, with Tam, yeah. with San Francisco? Yeah, with San Francisco. San Francisco. Yeah, because yeah. Pat Burrell was was had the opportunity. I think Pat Burrell may actually have two rings. I think he was a bench player, but I think he has two rings. You know, I think you might be right. Well, bully for him. <laughs> all right, everybody. I think that's all the time we have for today. Um, please remember to like, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for Potadelphia. Um, if you have some extra time in your week, be sure to check out the whip around our sister show for all your weird comedy news. Uh, and we are going to be back again on our regular time slot on Monday morning, where we're going to be talking about an extended flyers win streak. That's going to be, uh, rolling on Stoli the goalie. We're going to get excited. Uh, we're going to give you an update on that Sixers gauntlet, uh, strong performance in LA the other night. We're going to tough matchup, uh, I guess tonight when you're listening to this against Golden State, so stay up late. Um, But, yeah, we'll see you then, and have a great day at work, everybody. 